You're listening to the Be a Better Lawyer podcast with Dina Cataldo, episode 141. So how do high-achieving lawyers break through generations of being taught that we have to grind ourselves into the ground to get results for clients, build a successful business, and create a life we love? While law schools are busy teaching the rule of law, they're slacking on teaching us how to be a better human to create for ourselves the success we thought we'd achieve after law school. This podcast bridges the gap between law school and life. Hello there. How are you doing today? All right. So if this is your first time listening to this podcast, this particular episode may not be the best episode to start with. You may want to start with one of the last few episodes. Today we're going to be talking about some advanced concepts. Allow yourself to be in that uncomfortable space. Whenever we learn anything new, there's an uncomfortable space where our brain freaks out. Allow your brain to freak out. That is the space where we grow in. Before we get started, I wanted to say thank you to everyone who attended my planning masterclass for lawyers last weekend. I had a lot of fun and I plan on doing many more of them. I have a couple I'm thinking about that I want to do this month. And if you're thinking, what? I did not know you were doing a live masterclass this weekend. What's up with that? It's because I really only talked about it on Instagram and my email list this time around. If you want to make sure you don't miss the next masterclass for lawyers, go to my my website and download anything there. You can go to dinacataldo.com forward slash 141 where I will place links for, you know what, I'm going to place a link to the replay for the planning masterclass if you missed that because I want to make sure you get it. But I'll also make sure I have links to the busy lawyer's guide to getting five hours back weekly and my uh, recorded how to stop procrastinating masterclass so you can get what you need there. Go to dinacataldo.com forward slash 141. All right, let's do this. So if you've been listening for a while, you know I talk a lot about how our thoughts create our feelings and our results. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably believe that to a certain extent. But there may be areas of your life where you think, yeah, Dina, I can totally see how that applies in some areas of my life, but that's not true when it comes to my legal practice, when it comes to my relationship, when it comes to my fill-in-the-blank issue. And I used to think that too. I wasn't always on board with this thoughts create what I have in my life belief. I knew for sure that when I set my mind to something and worked really hard, then I could make things happen. The work really hard piece was more important to me than the thoughts part, though. In my mind, having an outline of a goal was great. Then all I needed to do was work really hard to achieve it. And you may be on board with that so far, but I want to take you all the way. It wasn't until I seriously dove into my thoughts and seeing all the negative crap that was in my brain that I realized how I was holding myself back in my life and how I was really making it a lot harder on myself to achieve my goals. I was creating the procrastination, the overwhelm, that grinding, that anxious feeling that I had. So I had to clean all the crap out of my brain and start thinking completely differently. And that meant going against almost everything I'd been taught growing up. I'll have lawyers who come to me and they just can't imagine that changing their thoughts will have that much of an impact on how they feel. And I don't blame them. This was not taught in our school books and our parents didn't teach us this. I mean, not the ones that I had anyway. And they wonder whether it's true that if they change their thoughts about themselves, their practice, their partner, if they change all of that, will they really stop feeling overwhelmed and frustrated and disappointed? How can working on their thoughts really improve their lives on a practical level? 
And if you find yourself in this boat, I want to talk to you directly. The concept I want to talk to you about today may blow your mind, but by expanding how you think about your thoughts, you may get more awareness of them and how your interpretation of situations and people in your life is everything. The concept is this. We teach our brains what to believe. Let me repeat that. We teach our brains what to believe. A belief is a thought that we think over and over again. Thoughts are just interpretations of our world. We choose the interpretations that we want to believe are true. They're usually the thoughts that are most easily available to us, the ones we hear all the time or see modeled by people around us with their actions. Those interpretations are taught to us, and many times we don't second guess those interpretations. We think they are true. I want to give you a few examples here. So here's the first example. I want you to imagine a pen. Our interpretation of a pen makes it a pen. We have thoughts about that item, that object, that it can be used to write things, and we call it a pen. We know that if a pen has a cap, that we take it off to use it. If it has a clicker at the end, we press it down to write with it. We know that a pen is based on past experiences with similar objects, right? So we know that it is a pen because we've dealt with pens before, because we've been shown exactly how to use a pen. That all feels true to us, right? Like a pen is a pen. What if it wasn't a pen? What if the pen is just something that we've made with our thoughts? We are taught what a pen is from childhood. We've seen people model how to use a pen. Now, if I have that very same pen that I've been writing with and I throw it across the room, my dog Frankie will chase it down and chew on it. He interprets that object as a chew toy. I look at it as a pen. He looks at it as a toy. He hasn't been taught that it's a pen. He hasn't been trained to interpret the object in front of him as anything other than something to play with. And that's the same thing that a baby would do, right? They wouldn't know what to do with a pen. They don't have that same knowledge, that same interpretation of the object. That's why we keep certain things away from babies. They don't know what they are. They haven't been taught to interpret certain items as dangerous, right? This is an abstract concept, but if you understand it, then it may make it a bit easier to understand how this law of nature that we teach our brains what to believe applies to everything. Here's another example. Let's look at language. If you've ever seen Arabic script, you'll know that the letters and numbers are a beautiful calligraphy. And in Arabic, you write from left to right instead of right to left, like we do in English. And when I was a little kid, I would like scribble really pretty, you know, doodles and I would pretend that it was a fancy foreign language, right? And I didn't have any interpretation around that. That was just for fun. But I want you to remember like each letter in every language that uses a script has a particular sound or multiple sounds associated with it. Each culture has adopted a different language. Some of them aren't written. Each culture adopted their language, not because one was functionally better than the other one or was easier than another one. They adopted that language because that was the language on hand when the people in different regions of the world were born and then learned how to communicate with each other. People adopted what was taught to them, and it became easy for them to communicate in that language, so they kept using that language. People around them modeled how to read, how to write, how to speak the language. Okay, I want to give one more example of this to give you objectivity about your circumstances and get that point across before we move on to creating what we want to believe. 
So I have a dog named Frankie and a cat named Rocco. I adopted Rocco from a shelter about 10 years ago, and I had to give him up to my parents when he bullied my other cat. It was really sad. Anyway, sometime after Rocco moved away, I adopted Frankie. Rocco then moved back into my house, and I watched as they influenced each other's behaviors just by being in the same house. They'd watch each other, and they'd see how they interacted with the world differently than they did. Then they began adopting each other's behaviors. It started when I saw Rocco begin scarfing down his food really fast, just like Frankie does. He'd never done that before. And then Frankie jumped onto the kitchen counter after seeing Rocco do it. Then Rocco began sniffing the entire kitchen floor after every meal, like Frankie does, just to see if there's an extra morsel of food somewhere. And then I saw Frankie start pushing his way through the cat door into the garage. You see where I'm going here? Neither of these animals exhibited these behaviors before, but just by observing the other, they started to change their behaviors to be more like the other. Our unexamined beliefs are our automatic programming. They are our default setting. We adopt beliefs our parents, teachers, and coworkers teach us. And they're not always good ones. We adopt beliefs that seem to make our life easier by believing them, even if it may not be true in every single circumstance. For instance, it's not easier to speak English in the middle of Cairo. We also adopt beliefs that seem like the thing to do because we see others modeling that belief in their actions. For us, it might be seeing our coworkers stay really late at the office or working themselves to the bone or saying things like, I'm really busy. And in this instance that I just described, my dog believes there's more food on the floor somewhere, so Rocco saw this behavior and began to believe that that's what he should be doing too. Whether or not he actually knew he was going to find more food on the floor, I don't know. Very few of us pull back and see that the thoughts we have about our world are just other people's thoughts that we've adopted. So when lawyers come to me and tell me that they want to change their habits and their life, but they can't see how their thoughts can make that big of an impact on their world, I get it. That's 100% normal. We have not been taught to get distance from our thoughts so that we can see whether or not we want to believe them. We live from unexamined thoughts like, I don't have enough time. I'm behind. I should be doing more. I should be working harder. And those unexamined thoughts are running your life. And if you aren't stopping and asking yourself if the thoughts are true, then you're missing an opportunity to change your interpretations and feel better. I have a big one here though. All right. I'm going to get to it in a second. That word true, hang on to that. Now, you are causing unnecessary suffering by believing old thoughts. And if your brain hasn't exploded at this point, I want to take this concept one step further. Nothing that we believe is true. That's right. Nothing we believe is true. All thoughts are interpretations. There is no good. There is no bad. There's no such thing as not enough time. There's no such thing as enough time. Things and circumstances just exist in the world. Then we use our brain to have thoughts about those things and those circumstances. Our brain decides whether something is good or something is bad, or something is not enough or something is enough. Maybe you're asking, well, what about cancer? What about murder? Our feelings about either of those subjects, either of those circumstances in the world, are up to our interpretation. 
Remember, our thoughts create our feelings. There is no truth but the one we want to believe, the one we want to create for ourselves. Probably 99% of people will tell you cancer is a bad thing for sure. No way is it a good thing. And I would be part of the 1% who say cancer can be a good thing because of my personal interpretation of it, my knowledge that it's possible that we can use it for something good for myself and others after my diagnosis 11 years ago. And that doesn't mean that I don't also have the belief that it would be an amazing thing if we cured it. Those two beliefs can coexist. Not all beliefs can coexist, though, and I want to get to that. So I can also tell you that our society has agreed that murder is a bad thing, but I can guarantee that there are others who have a different interpretation based on their experiences. Imagine the organ recipient who receives a life-saving organ because someone was killed, or the battered woman who now feels safer because her partner is deceased, or the person who's the beneficiary of a foundation that was created as a result of someone being killed. They may feel conflicted, but that's just because they have two thoughts about the same subject. And that's okay. When having thoughts that are in conflict with one another becomes difficult, becomes something that doesn't serve us, is when we want to achieve something in our lives and there's a thought that conflicts with what we want to believe. For instance, when we want to build a business, but we have thoughts like, what will people think? I don't have enough time. I don't know how. Maybe later. All of those thoughts conflict with thoughts like, you know, I could figure it out. I, I can do this. I can find the time. It, you, you can't believe both of them at the same time. Every event in our life, every event that happens in the world is neutral until we assign an interpretation to it. And maybe we even assign two interpretations to it. This may be stretching your brain here, but that's the point. Because once we see that our thoughts are being influenced at all times, then we can choose what interpretations we want to make. Once we see that we have conflicting beliefs about something, then we can take action to make change. We can decide what we want a circumstance to mean in our life. A cheating husband, what do we want to make it mean? A missed deadline, what do we want to make it mean? An emergency comes up, what do we want to make it mean? Procrastination, what do we want to make that mean? Our interpretation of any circumstance depends or determines how we feel, how we behave in the world, and what results we create. This is why it's important to question the interpretations we make every day. If you feel stuck, like you can't make progress in your life, just know that's normal for the way you're interpreting the world. This mental work that we talked about today is the same work I did on myself. I needed to question everything I thought. I needed to question my interpretations. It was not easy work. I had to open my mind up to this because as you, your brain, if, you're, if your brain is kind of expanding right now, if it feels stretched, that is because you're, you're just getting access to this new thought, this new interpretation of the world. And it's really easy to close down when we get these, this feeling that's uncomfortable. But when you keep an open mind and a willingness to see what maybe you've been avoiding seeing, you can make change. It's doable. I work with people one-on-one -on, -one on this all the time, so they have a guide through the process because this is also just, could can be mind-blowing work. I know it's mind-blowing for me every single time I do this work. That's what is the most helpful for me, and I know that's what's helpful for so many people. If that work interests you, you can book a call with me at dinacataldo.com. All right, so this podcast was a deep one. 
If you have questions, come find me on Instagram. I'm at dina.cataldo. DM me. I'm there for you. And I love this kind of topic. So if, if you like this kind of mind expanding topic, if this is something that really interests you, I'd love to know more. I'd love to hear from you. All right. I will talk to you soon. You may want to listen to this one again. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.